From Honor Flight Chicago, this is a veteran's story. The story of Joe Borst from Chicago's Rogers Park. During World War II, there were four stars in the window of the Borst home. For Joe and three of his brothers all served. Two in the Army, two in the Navy, two in the Atlantic, two in the Pacific. Joe was Navy, fireman second class. One of the nearly 900 men aboard the USS St. Lowe, a smaller escort aircraft carrier that was part of one of the biggest naval battles in history, the Battle of Leyte Gulf, the Philippines. In the midst of ferocious fighting, the St. Lowe would become the first American warship sunk after a direct hit by a kamikaze. Many sailors died that October day in 1944. Joe Borst survived. This is his story. What was it like growing up in a family of 10 kids? Well, there was four girls and six boys. And um, we lived in Rogers Park at Fargo and Western. And um, uh, from there, I would walk to school every day. My, my mother would make lunches for all of us. And um, I went to St. Margaret Mary's. That's where I was taught by the nuns. And uh, from that point on, as we were getting older and World War II came along, three of my brothers already served, uh, were serving. And uh, so I enlisted at the, at the age of 17 and I was sent up to Great Lakes Training Station for my boot camp. And from there they shipped me out to Shoemaker, California where I uh, got aboard they took us out to the USS Midway, where I was assigned to, and my job was there. Was um, they trained me to be, to operate the evaporators, which took the salt water out, and the um, and I would divert it for drinking, showering, and cooking. What did your what did your parents think with you and three of your brothers all in the service at the same time? Well, I think it was very hard on my mother, of course. You know, she had, uh, by that time, she had four um, stars in the window, and uh, some people just couldn't believe that four of us were coming from one family in the neighborhood. But uh, yes, that's, uh, that's what we did. Did you enlist because your brothers had enlisted? Did you enlist because I, your buddies I, enlisted? Correct. I enlisted because I didn't want to go into the army. <laughs> I wanted, to, and my one brother was already in the navy, and my other two brothers were both in the army. Different t uh, types of uh, 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 theaters, but they. Uh, my oldest brother was an MP in Europe. Uh, my second oldest brother, Ed, he was in the Aleutians, and Bernie, he was already in the Atlantic. Uh, on cargo ships, and so, so I decided to enlist. So you're at, you're on the Saint. Eventually, it becomes the Saint Lowe. It's the Midway. It's an escort carrier. When I, got, when, I, when I went aboard, it was called the USS Midway, and then on October the 10th, the Navy Department decided to take the name of Midway because we were what we were called a, a jeep carrier 
and we had 28 uh, fighter planes uh, on, on, on board, and they wanted to give that name to a, a larger ship, which is a museum today in San Diego. Mm-hmm. You're on the St. Lowe. And then they, they changed the name of it to, to the USS St. Lowe, which was, a, um, which was the name that was com- commemorated uh, 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 of a victory in, of, of American troops in France. Mm-hmm. And so they gave us the name, the USS St. Lowe. So, we only had the name for 15 days. October 10th, our ship was sunk on October the 25th. Once we got word to go to the Philippines, which was then called uh, one of the largest naval battles, um, our, our planes took off and bombarded the island for about two days. And on the 25th of October, we were the first ship to be hit by a kamikaze and everything exploded. And um, word was given, I, my general quarters was the first lieutenant's office. When, when the, General quarters sounded. I went to the first lieutenant's office, which is just below the hangar deck. And uh, once we got hit by this kamikaze Japanese plane, um, everything went out. All the electricity went out. There was no PA system working anymore. And so we, uh, we were told by the first lieutenant to get out of here. We went up the ladder to the hangar deck. There was a lot of fire. And then we went over to the side and they were saying verbally, abandoned ship. And so uh, I can show you pictures of the ropes that were hanging over the side of the ship. And I I grabbed one of those ropes and I went down as far as I could. And then um, once I hit the water, all I had on was my life jacket, fully clothed. Um, I, I saw a lot of the guys putting together some life rafts, three of them. I got to them and they said, are you all right? And I said, yeah. And they said, you stay in the water. We got to get away from the ship before it sinks. So we were only putting the wounded men in the, in the life rafts. There was about 700 of us out of a crew of 860, and uh, we had a kick of the way to get away from the ship. We turned around and we watched our ship sink. And your ship went down in 30 minutes. 31 minutes. 31 minutes. 31 minutes. They clocked it and said it was sunk 31 minutes from the time we were hit. And the reason it went down so fast was because the kamikaze dropped a bomb and then his his plane hit the, the deck, the went deck, through. And then hit our own ammunition, and ours started to explode. Your ammo magazine goes up, and, and that's and it. And this is, right. I have pictures of the explosions and things of that now, nature. Now, where are you standing when the plane hits, when the explosion occurs? I was occurs? at the first lieutenant's office. You're in the office. general quarters. 
which is right below the hangar deck. Did you got the flight deck and then and the hangar deck, and I was right below that, and that's when, where we 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 had the hoses and things. And they, if fire broke out in our area, it was up to us men. I, I think there was six or eight of us that were stationed there by the first lieutenant's office, and then. Uh, if a fire broke out, we were we were supposed to start the hoses and put out the fire. Yeah, that's your job. That was my job. Uh, and then when I hit, we were told by the first lieutenant, get out of here. So we went up the ladders to the hangar deck, and then they said, it's abandoned ship verbally. That, if people are calling that out because you don't have an intercom system now. No, we don't have an intercom system. So we... We, it was all by word of mouth, and so when I got over to the side, I already saw a lot of the guys already in the water, and then I grabbed one of the ropes that were hanging over the side, and I went down as far as I could on the rope, and when I got to the bottom, I let go, and I I hit the water. Now, you're still, how, how far above the water are you when you hit the bottom of the rope? You're like 40 feet above the water line. Somewhere around there, 20, 30 feet. Okay. And then what, I'm right next to the ship, so I kicked off like you would the end of a pool. And then I spotted these three life rafts that they were putting together, and I got to them. And um, they said, okay, you st if you're okay, you're not hurt, stay in the water. we got to get away from the ship. That's what we did. And you had a lot of wounded on the life rafts, and they yes. were tending to them yes. as best they could. Yes. What are, uh, what we, do you we, think? What we, do, had, uh, we were in a convoy, and the destroyers, we had six of these baby top aircraft carriers in the middle, and on the outside, I believe we had nine destroyers. And two of the destroyers, when they saw all these men in the water, they stopped their engines so that we, we wouldn't be pulled into their propellers. And so um, they kept shooting a rope out to us, but the wind would keep blowing the rope away, and they had to wind it up again and ship it out, uh, send it out to us again. It took three and a half hours for us to catch that rope, and then they pulled us in, and then they, they had these rope ladders hanging over the side of the destroyer, and they took up the wounded men first. We stayed in the water until they got all the wounded men up there. And then we climbed up those rope ladders up, up into the ship, the, destroy, uh, the destroyer. And uh, then they pulled up the life rafts. And that's what we slept in for the next six nights until they brought us back. Did you have a vivid recollection of when the kamikaze hit the St. Lowe? Can do you remember what you felt that moment, physically felt? No, I, I can't remember uh, what I, how I felt. Uh, everything was happening so fast that, uh, I, like I said, there was about six or seven of us there by the first lieutenant's office, and I don't know. It, it's just I didn't think the ship would sink. I didn't think the ship would sink until I got up to the hangar deck. Then when I heard the word abandoned ship, that's when it hit me that we got to get off of the ship. We got to get off the ship. And that's what I did. I grabbed the rope and I went down as far as I could and I let go 
and I hit the water, I kicked away, and then I went over to those three life rafts. Do you remember feeling fear or are you just reacting? No, I did not think anything like that was gonna happen. I was not, people always ask me why was I afraid of the sharks? Well, I think the explosions that was going on uh, scared them away. And I never once thought of sharks hitting us or anything like that in and, three and, and a half hours. And they didn't. And right? they didn't. They didn't. I was fully clothed with my shoes. I still had my shoes on. And when we got pulled over and uh, pulled up in the, on the destroyer, a lot of the guys, they kicked off their shoes. And because we're on a steel deck and that sun would hit that steel deck, they couldn't walk up and down to get a little exercise. I still had my shoes on, so I was left to walk around and still get a little exercise. But... You were on there for six days. You're a strapping young guy, uh, but you're in the water for three and a half hours, and Correct. you don't know, and I'm, I'm presuming it was, you're cold, right? No. No, it not was cold. Warm. warm. It's All right. the Pacific. All right. So you're, nonetheless, it's a tiring experience. You've, oh, I was exhausted. So I was exhausted. Did you have enough strength to climb up the rope ladder onto the destroyer? <laughs> I, had, I used all of my strength to get back up there, and when I got over the side... I don't know, somebody said I passed out for a few minutes, and I think I did. I was exhausted. I was just ex completely exhausted. But you were fortunate in that you had no wounds. I had no wounds. Right. No. But of the, of the ship's complement, I think the death toll wound up being around 140. Correct. Men who were killed in the initial explosion Correct. and subsequent fire, and then those who later died from their Most wounds. Most of them were the Airedales that were moving the planes back and forth, and those are the guys that got hit. And uh, we lost, like, a, like you say, 134 to 140 men that day. Any of your friends among them? One. I had boot camp with them. We traveled together to Shoemaker, California, on the train and everything. But when we got on board the ship, he was an Airedale. I was to go down and, and below decks and train for the evaporators to take the salt and the, out of the... And that's how we... Uh, so you know, you're, you're, on the res you're on the destroyer for six days. Correct. And then it's, I guess you, you all come to realize that the St. Lowe has become the first American warship in World War II to be sunk by a kamikaze. That's correct. We were the first one to be hit by a kamikaze. Um, and so there's a process, I guess, you go through when you think about that. It's, it's awfully hard to believe that a big battleship or a big aircraft carrier like that could go down. Well, it was a baby top. Right. They call them a Jeep baby tops. We didn't... Uh, uh, we were not one of the big ones where they carry 120 planes. We only carry 28 planes. Right. Nonetheless, it's a big ship. Yes, it is. Right. Yes, it is. There was 800 crew, and I think these larger ones, my gosh, they must have thousands. What, what kind of conversations do you have with your shipmates after you go, you've gone through something like that? What are you saying to each other as you're trying to get healed? Well, we, were, we were put on the Franklin because the Franklin was going back to uh, Pearl Harbor 
to be repaired and they put us on the hangar deck and they had all these cot beds, one right after the other, that we slept on. And once we got to, to uh, Hawaii or uh, the Pearl Harbor, uh, we went on the base and then they restricted us for 30 days while they notified all of the families of the deceased. And during that time, um, we were issued new, new clothing, new uniforms, and then we went before, I believe it was four officers that were sitting at a table, and they said, what did you lose in our lockers? You know, and some of the guys, we were talking back and forth before you were called, you were called in there one at a time, and so, these guys are saying, when you get in there, Joe, tell them your watch is $300. <laughs> you know, back in 1944. I didn't, I didn't tell them that. I, you know, but what, what they asked you all these questions about what you lost, and then they were making notations on it. And when they reviewed all of us, then they took an average, and then we got one check for the average amount Regardless, if you if the, these other guys, I told them I had, my watch was three hundred dollars, you know, and so so that's considered the, battle pay. Yeah, yeah. So they gave us. Uh, so anyway, everybody got the it, once it was all over with. These four officers just put it all together, and then they just said an average to everybody. All I right. don't remember what it was, but uh, we got new uniforms mm -hmm. and everything. Importantly, during that time period, it's an extended time period, you said 30 days. We were restricted on the base for 30 days. We couldn't ride home because they were notifying all of the deceased. Oh, your mom must have been going and then crazy. I, and then when I got, we got back to Seattle, everybody ran for the phones. And, I, and when I finally got in there and I called my mother, well, of course, I just said, Mom, I'm okay. You know? And uh, she was crying and everything. So, and there were guys behind me waiting to get to the phones. So I didn't. I couldn't talk very long with my mother. I imagine she was pleading with you to, oh, to answer gosh, questions. Everything. Every, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I said, I'll come back. I'm going to get a survivor's leave. They told us that we were going to get a survivor's leave once we got back to the states. And then. Uh, uh, that kind of ended that conversation until I got home and I, I called her from Puget Sound, Seattle, Washington. Mm -hmm. That's where we all came in. And when we got there, there were reporters from Chicago and different cities and, and the guy said, I want all of you guys that are from Chicago. Well, only three of us showed up. Mm -hmm. And so he took a picture of us, and this was pr printed on December the 7th, 1944, right on the front page of the, the Chicago Daily News. Three years after Pearl Harbor. Yes, yep. yes. Tell me about the reunion you had then with your mother. You told her by phone, I got both my arms and both my oh, legs. Yes. I'm okay, Mom. 
but she doesn't see you. She needs to hold you right. and, and see right. you in the flesh. So right. what was that like when you met up with her? Well, it was very emotional because of the fact that she was crying so much and so was I. And, uh, you know, but knowing that she had three others in the service and then I came home, I, I think I was the only one of the four of us that ever saw action. My older brother was an MP, and uh, I, I don't know what the other three did on their ships and things like that. I don't know what their jobs were. But anyway, they're all passed on now. I'm the only one left of the 10 of us. And uh, that's about it. But four of you go off to serve, and all four of you came home. We all came home. We all came home. So in that respect, and the fact that you were in this horrible attack on the St. Lowe, it's remarkable that you're a fortunate guy. Yes. I always say I had nine lives. <laughs> I always said I have nine lives. Because, you know, I, I don't know. Over the years. Now. Do you, do you wonder about that from time to time? Why did I survive and others not? Yes, many times I think about it, and I just think that it, and the good Lord just didn't have me in the book yet. Yeah, That's the only way I can analyze it, and I, I just think that, uh, you know, I was very fortunate. Did, did you have any trouble after the war sharing your experience when people ask you about what happened to you? Yes, I didn't want to talk about it, and then one day I, I, I went to church and the pastor asked me to come that night to in, they were going to have a lot of people there from the, from the church and I was sitting in a chair back here and the microphone and the um, pulpit was up in the front there and he turned around and he said Joe would you like to say something and I said no I, I, I didn't want to say anything so they put it in the paper the next day that Joe would rather have to go through another battle than to make a speech. <laughs> <laughs> was that true? That was true. Uh-huh. That was true, and I still have that paper, and I have it here in the book. Why did that change? Why did you decide then eventually to start talking about your experience? Well, as time went on, I, I, I made a speech to the Knights of Columbus, it's, I, I read this, something like this off of what, not the same one, but something like this at Hackney's, and uh, that was the Knights of Columbus, and I don't know, people just couldn't believe what I went through, but I did, and you know, and they were all interested. Ordinary. Now, you could have dropped a pin uh, as I was talking because they just couldn't believe this was a luncheon. How, how was that helpful for you? To, to get it, to, to unburden yourself, perhaps? Just be able to tell your story? No, I, I, no, no. I, I, I didn't incur any uh, illnesses that I can think of uh, after all of this. Um, it happened so fast. Yeah. 31 and a half minutes from the time. I'm, I'm, I'm down below the hangar deck. I had to go up that ladder and get over to the side, go down the rope, and get away from that ship. And it, 
there's so much excitement going on, and all these other men are screaming and hollering. And I saw men, I saw men in the life raft, half of their chin is gone. I saw these guys, they're, they're bleeding all over the place. That's why we, uh, I thought I was doing my job as kicking it away as fast as we can. There was a whole bunch of us around the outside just trying to get away from that thing. Uh, You're reacting on gut instinct. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't think of sharks. <coughs> People often <laughs> ask me, and I didn't think of, um, I don't know, anything was gonna happen. Yeah. And I was very lucky, and like I say, I thought I, I often think that I had nine lives because I've been in the operating room how many times? They operated on my head. I had a, 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 a blood clock. You know. That was later years that later. That was later, though. yes. Yeah, yes, right. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Can we call you then Nine Lives Joe? Oh, you can do that. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's what I think. Would you tell me about your Honor Flight Chicago experience when you went to DC with Honor Flight? What was that like? And oh why did gosh, you that was a beautiful and a wonderful day? My three brothers and I, all three of us went, not Harry, Harry was already passed on, but uh, the three of us went. And when we got there, uh, the World War II Memorial, I have a picture of me sitting by the St. Lowe name that they, you know, they had there. And um, then they wanted a, um, have a memorial for the ones that were deceased. And so they, call, they, they called up the Borst brothers, the three of us. Uh, Bernie, he was supposed to start the national anthem. Uh, I was given flowers to put on this wheelchair that represents the deceased. And uh, Ed, he, I think he carried the flag or something. And then that was, that was wonderful. The honor flight coming home, they gave us, they gave us mail call coming back to Chicago. And one of the girls wrote this beautiful letter thanking me for her, our service. And I thought that was so great. How, how emotional was it to be there with your with two of your brothers. Oh my gosh. That's what, that was unbelievable. And they play the national anthem, they do taps, everybody, there's nonstop handshaking, right? You right. had a lot of people who came up to you right. who don't know you. Don't know me. And all they do is something very important, which is to say thank you. They don't know what you've been through. They know you're no. a veteran. But That's all, just a, right. all of us are just veterans. They don't know what action we were at or through. And it, when we got back to Chicago, they had the fire trucks. When the plane came in, the, uh, the pilot got, got on the PA system and he says, look to your left and look to your right. So we looked out the window and we got the water salute. Water cannon. That, that, was, that brought tears to my eye. Oh my gosh. 
you would never know how my two brothers, how they break down so easily and cry, 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 if you know what I mean. And you joined them in crying, I guess, That's right. And when we got to the airport, I couldn't believe all of the relatives and the, the, of the Bors family were at Midway to greet us. Well, I can't tell you how much crying we did there, you know, but that, sure. that, was, that was wonderful and I'll never forget it. In a small way, does that help thank you, honor you for what you went through? I think so. When you look back on your life, do you have occasion ever to say, what an experience I had? I didn't plan on it, I didn't want it, it, but I had a heck of an experience. Yes, I did. And you came away with your life in one one piece. Yeah, I I didn't get hurt or anything like that. And then I got married in 1950, and we've been married since 1950, her and I. Mm -hmm. And so you're talking 70 years I've been married. Congratulations, man. uh, That's fabulous. You know, and, and I've outlived everybody, all 10 of us. I'm 94 right now. I've outlived them all, my family. Congratulations on your long life, your long marriage, and thank you for your service yeah. to our country, for enduring an awful experience, right. and for living it, to tell about it. Yeah, it, 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 it's amazing. It's just amazing. It's just amazing that... Uh, what I went through and uh, I'm here. I got nine lives, that's all I can tell you, (laughs) you know. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, yeah. We hope you found today's Honor, Thank, Inspire episode to be moving and meaningful. If you did, please consider sharing this podcast and make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The impact Honor Flight Chicago has on the lives of our veterans and their families is made possible by the generosity of our donors. To support our mission, to find our veteran application, to volunteer, or simply for more information, please visit us at honorflightchicago.org.